Sweet. Hi, everyone. Hi. I just want you guys to know I can't handle the energy in this room every Tuesday. I just love chapel. Do you guys love chapel? Yeah, me too. Okay, so I'm Jesse First. Some of you guys probably know me because you went to school with me. I just graduated back in 2017, so I got hired on here full-time right after that. But some of you know me because I was your admissions counselor. Yeah! (laughs) I have loved getting to see you guys here, all of you new students. It has been... It has made recruitment so worthwhile because you go through the whole year and you you know people and you see their faces coming on Tuesday tours, but when you're actually here, and then I was at the ice cream social and I saw you guys like making friends with each other and I was like, this is so cool. Like, I just love it and because I know you all individually. So anyway, so glad you're here, um, but a little bit more about me. Like I said, I was a 2017 grad. I got a Bachelor of Arts in Christian Ministry and Biblical Justice, so shout out to my Biblical Justice people. Yeah, um, I also lived on D2 for four years, loved it, so shout out to my D2 people. And some fun fact about me is that I'm basically a grandma in a young adult's body, so just thought I'd share. I love baking, I love crocheting, and if I could go to bed at 9 p.m. every night, I would, but... Life happens, so I can't do that. Um, But another fun fact about me, I don't know how fun it is, but it's a little bit deeper, but I also really have always struggled with trusting others. And I don't know if any of you guys fall in this camp with me, but I tend to be that friend when a friend tells you a fact about something, you feel the need to, like, Google Google fact check it? That's me. I always want to check and make sure people are telling me the truth. Um, But I like to call myself, well, people like to call me a pessimist, but I like to call myself a realist. I don't know if any of you guys are out there in that camp with me, but that's me. But because of that, you can sure bet I've had a hard time trusting God. And I can bet in a room this size I'm not the only one who's been in that camp. And I can also bet that some of you guys struggle with trusting God's provision as well. And I know for me, I first became aware of that when I eventually submitted to God's leading in my life. So he placed a call on ministry in my life when I was a freshman in high school. And I pretty much shoved it under the rug until I met a camp team from Ozark that brought me here the summer after I graduated. So I basically ignored it for like four years. Um, some of you guys didn't do that. You felt the call like right before you came here and Bob Witte recruited you like a week before school started and I got to talk to you about that, which was super fun. But I know what it feels like to not trust God's provision. And the sad thing is that when we don't trust God as our provider, that we try to work for things that don't actually satisfy us. And we know, we've read Genesis before, that God created us with needs that he always intended to meet. He said over and over again, it says in Genesis, that the provision God provided was good. But the fall began our search for things that don't actually satisfy us when Adam and Eve decided to eat from that dang tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in John... So God was meeting their needs then, but we see later in John, the book we're going through as a series, 
that we see Jesus coming on the scene and meeting people's needs physically through the feeding of the 5,000. And you guys know this story, so I'm not going to go into specific details, but we know that Jesus was able to physically feed 5,000 men plus women and children from five loaves and two fish. And there were leftovers, which is crazy. But through that story, he demonstrated his abundant provision for his people. And this is what happens right before the passage we're going to be in today, which if you'd like to turn there with me, it'll be John 6, 25 through 36. And it'll also be up on the screen, I believe. So I will go ahead and read that. Um, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? The ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you this bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven, or the bread of God, is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. And so we can see in verse 25 that the same people he had just fed, he fed the 5,000, were the ones that followed him across the lake, and now are saying, hey Jesus, we want you to fill our stomachs again. But this passage shows how easy it is for us to work Jesus' provision, what he intends to give to us, when we stop looking for him to provide what he wants to give us, and we start trying to demand provision. And this is exactly what the people in John 6 are doing. They're saying, hey, we want you to fill our stomachs again, when he's in front of them saying, no, I am the bread of life. I fill you completely. They want him to provide in a certain way. And we can see in verses 30 and 31, they also believe their Messiah is going to be just like Moses. And you guys know the story from Exodus as well. God provided manna in the desert for the Israelites for 40 years daily. And when they, when God, when Jesus fed them bread, feeding the 5,000, they thought he was going to be the same Messiah Or they thought that he was going to be doing that again and again because he was going to fulfill Moses. But he's standing in front of them, and this is my paraphrased phrase, but he is saying, no, it is my father who has always provided for you from heaven, not Moses. And right now, he doesn't want to fill your stomachs. He is right in front of you in me. I am the bread of life. And in verse 27, Jesus calls food, food that spoils, Things that are outside of the Lord's intended provision for us, food that spoils. And that word in the Greek, I did a little word study, so shout out to my principal's people, that's coming in a few months. Um, (laughs) I did a word study on apolumi, I believe I pronounced that right, but John 27, the Greek word, 
It is a verb, and it's the word for spoils. And in many other passages in the Greek New Testament, it also means to destroy or to perish. And when I began looking at other verses this tied to, um, I noticed that one of them was John 10.10, when Jesus says the thief, Satan, comes only to kill and to steal and to destroy. That word for destroy is also apolumi. And for me, that just spoke how bad this stuff is. Um, The food that spoils, it's the same language Jesus is tying to what Satan does. Um, He destroys. But Jesus, as we see in verse 35, says, I am the bread of life. He promises to be our eternal provision as long as we turn our eyes away from the food that spoils and destroys to him. And he is good. And you guys know this. Um, But I know that the people in the Bible, in the passage we just read, are not the only ones who are working for food that spoils. And I, I was an Ozark student here for four years, and I've still been on this campus, but I know that, that we often inside of ourselves have a distrust of God and what he provides. And the thing about it, it's hard to identify because it's under the surface of us. It's not the same as if I pointed at Isaac and said, hey, you need to stop stealing. Like, I see you going to the bank down the street and coming back with money, so stop it. Or (laughs) if I were to point at Sarah and say, hey, I I know you're lying to my face. Like, stop lying to me. No, this, this distrust of God is more in the way we act, but it's not as on the surface as we, as we, so I can't point to you and say, hey, like, you distrust God and but we treat Jesus as if he's like Santa and Bob Woody gave me this metaphor but he likes to say we like to say hey give me what I want and we give him this long Christmas list sometimes it's not that long sometimes it's one thing and we say hey I want you to give me this and when he doesn't give it to us we get mad and we throw a tantrum like a little kid on Christmas morning but This kid is also surrounded by all of these amazing gifts that their father has given him, given them. And it's like we get this tunnel vision. We want this one thing, but we miss all of the amazing things that God is constantly providing for us. And he can turn things, um, we can get deceived to think that the things God intended as good gifts, um, he wants to give us good gifts, but in his way, and his timing. And when we, we start to miss all of these good things when we're not paying attention. And he offers to fill us and satisfy us. And so I wrote down a few things that are just very specific to Ozark students that I'm going to go over. There are lots of things you can fill on this list. But these are a few I think that we try to work for that aren't actually things that satisfy us. And the first thing is our image to others. I think... We all want to belong, and we all want to be liked. And I think that this is a natural craving the Lord has put in our hearts, that we want community. And Ozark is an amazing place for community, but when you're working for your name to be known um, and to force this kind of thing, I I think we're trying to find contentment in the ways others view you, when really we need to be looking to Christ alone. And the second one... I fall very heavily in this camp, is trying to live up to your own standards. And 
Some things you might say is, I need perfect grades to be okay with myself. Or, I need to do blank. So fill in this really specific thing, what you think God's will is for your life. Um, And if you don't end up doing this thing, for some reason you're not content. And I know for me, I personally really wrestled with this, with taking this job at Ozark. And I love Ozark. But I graduated with a biblical justice degree. And I thought... I'm not doing biblical justice for a career right now. Um, And for me, I had to wrestle through, was that really what God wanted for me? Or was that the standard I set for myself? Um, And I realized it was a standard because he provided this amazing opportunity for me. And it has been, his provision has been so good. Um, I just didn't see it right away. And the third one, this is the last one I'll cover specifically, but is relationships. We're Ozark Bridal College, right? We're not. Well, but, yeah, I, I just think, I don't want to push too hard against our culture, but I do know that marriage is a good gift God provides, but I know it's not a promised one. And I can say that I graduated here single. Um, but I think our culture has a hard time with this, and... I don't want to tell you not to be in a relationship, and that is not what I am saying. God could provide an amazing spouse for you here. But I just don't want that to be the thing that becomes your tunnel vision. That when, if that's not happening for whatever reason, that you begin to miss all of the other amazing things he is providing for you today. Because he is your bread now. He doesn't say, once I give you a, a spouse, I'm your bread. Or once I give you a certain job you want, I'm your bread. No, he is your bread now. He is providing for you now. And so if you get anything from this sermon today, I want you to hear that Jesus provides what you really need. He is your provider, and he provides in his way and in his timing. And it's important that we really believe that Jesus provides for us out of his care for us. And I wrote a few questions down that kind of go along this train of thought. But do you trust that he provides what you really need? Do you trust that he works for your good? And do you trust that he wants what is best for you and will provide accordingly? So I have one more story to tell you guys about my life. And I really didn't want to tell it, but God kind of made it clear I needed to. And I mentioned to you guys that I graduated here single. And to be honest, I didn't really think about relationships much as a student. Um, But for some reason, when I graduated, the fact that I was single just, like, slapped me across my face. And I don't know if it was a reality check or, like, hey, you're in the real world now or what. I don't know. But the summer after I graduated, I spent some time in Malawi doing an internship and then came back and worked full-time. And that summer, I really... God began to stir in my heart that I wasn't trusting him to be my provider. And for me, I began to ask questions like, do I understand enough about his care to trust him to provide for me? And if I, you can fill in the blank for this. You can fill lots of things in. But if for some reason I stay single for the rest of my life, do I really believe that God is good and wanted what was best for me? Because I think at the beginning of, not this last summer, but the summer before, I don't think I knew the answer to that and was really, really wrestling. But after a year, 
of this kind of internal wrestling, I can say that God is good and that I trust his goodness. And I've learned that contentment is a daily choice. It's not this feeling that just bubbles over you, that you're like, oh man, I'm just content all the time. Maybe it does for some of you. That's awesome. But for me, I have to daily remind myself of God's provision. I have to daily say, hey, how is God providing good things for me today? Because when I do that, when I ingest him and I ingest his daily provision like that, I am able to trust him and be content. And so I would say to stop focusing. God was telling me, stop focusing so much on this on this thing you want, your tunnel vision. You don't actually need it because I've got you and I will provide for you in my time and in my way. And because of his deep care for us, I, well, I was looking at passages that remind me of this and Psalm 23, classic. You all memorize this in VBS. But the first line of it in the New Living Translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And that speaks so deeply because, as we know, sheep are helpless without a shepherd. The shepherd provides everything for the sheep. And God is calling us, calling himself our shepherd. David's calling God our shepherd. But even a few chapters after John 6, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. It's another I am statement. I am the good shepherd. And he's saying... In Psalm 23, we don't need a thing. Not saying we only, we do only need Jesus because he provides our needs. And another passage is John 10.10 that says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I love the message translation of this that says, I have come that they may have real and eternal life more and better than they ever dreamed of. And guys, I just want you to have confidence that he will provide for you because he cares so, so deeply for you. And I have just a few practical steps that I wrote down to help you trust his provision because I do believe when you understand the ways he's providing for you, it will help you trust him in all areas. And so the first one is to be constantly aware of his provision in your life. And something that has really helped me is mapping out the ways that God has provided for me in the past and daily. And so I was able to go back and and read some of the ways, because I had done this, read the ways he's provided for me. And it reminded me that he provided me spiritual family in Joplin. Um, I've had a rough time with my own family. And so when I was able to come to Joplin, he he met me where I, where I needed. Um, he met me with spiritual family here through Ozark, through people at College Heights. Um, and he provided for me the funds to be at Ozark, uh, something I forget very often. But when we eat, like I mentioned earlier, when we eat this bread and acknowledge his provision, it leads us to trust. And a book I would recommend is called 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. Some of y'all may have read this already, but I started reading this right after I got back from my summer internship and started working at Ozark, and it just completely changed my my mindset because it's a book where a woman who's, she's a mom, and in her 30s, she realizes she's wrestling with these same questions I was. Is God really good? Does he provide for me? And she begins to list out throughout the book a thousand things 
ways God's giving her little gifts every day. And she doesn't go through all a thousand, but I decided I was going to try and write my own list. And I'm not near a thousand because I'm not that diligent, but hopefully one day I'll get there. But maybe this can be something that you do is create your own list. And something I was even thinking it could be good to do is do it as a community. You can make a thankfulness wall. I think I heard that some dorm is already doing this. I don't know, a girl's dorm, but they're already writing out things they're thankful for on a daily basis. A little glimpse at my list was, number 23 was the warmth of a bonfire. Number 38 was leading worship with some of my best friends. Number 46, a dad who drives two hours to drop off furniture. Number 57, when Bob bought all of the women in our office zebra pens because they are CIA approved to stab people for self-defense. This is not a joke. I have it in my office. (laughs) Yes. Number 89 are the ways that the Psalms refresh my soul. Shout out to Matt Stafford. For helping to teach that to me. Um, gosh, I'm getting emotional reading these. Sorry. Woo! <laughs> um, I can't not cry. This is the worst. Okay. Um, <laughs> number 89. Or sorry, I just said that. Number 101, sleeping in without an alarm. It's the best. Number 116, sleeping or seeing students and families excited about Ozark um, while on a Tuesday tour and getting excited about training for ministry. Shout out again to Tuesday tour. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then at 2.31, this friend's here today, but I wrote down rooftop talks with Kate Larimer in the Netherlands. I will never forget that night. It was awesome. But anyway, as you can see, when I was writing these out, I also got overwhelmed. I did not expect to cry, but... Seeing this kind of stuff is moving, and it reminds me to get rid of that tunnel vision and to remember the ways God is providing for me now. And so I would really encourage you guys to do this because it helps foster contentment when you do this on a daily basis. And the second thing is I would really encourage you to share your story of provision with others. And I decided to ask a few friends the ways God is providing for them, and it it shocked me. I was like, why are we not always talking about this? Because it encouraged me. And so I'll tell you two of them. The first one is, I have a friend, and these are students you go to school with, by the way. I have a friend who got a concussion last year and had to go home for a while, leave school, but came back and was trying to get a job. And she couldn't get a job. She literally went through 39 interviews and each one was like, no, because you have a concussion or she had some short-term memory loss issues. And so they said, we're not going to hire you. But she wrote this, man, oh man, God is good. He is so very good. God knew what my heart and body needed so far beyond what I could even imagine. He placed interview number 40 before me in such a way that only he could. He used those around me to speak truth, love, and grace into a heart that needed it more than it could say. He took what I needed and provided so much more. And then my second friend, she's an international student, but said that God provided for her in all the ways since moving here. And she said, financially, I only had my first year paid off. And after that, I had to figure out what to do. And while turns out, it's almost four years and God has been faithful to his provision through generosity of people who know me and people who don't. Also, spiritually, this has been a place of growth, and I think that God was faithful in providing me with good spiritual training here, 
even if it took moving away from my family and what was known. And guys, reading these of the people I love was so encouraging and just reminded me that God, God is our bread of life. He's providing for us now. And there are so many more stories in this audience about God's provision. And I just want to encourage you to recognize what those are and to share them with others. And he, he is our bread of life. Amen? Amen. And so today, to remember this, we're going to take communion. So if you're serving communion, please get up and go to the stations. Um, but as we know, communion is a time to remember Jesus. And we remember lots of things. But he is our bread of life. And he provided for us ultimately through the sacrifice of his life. And today I really encourage you, though, to take time um, to remember the ways he's providing for you today. Like I mentioned earlier, please think of those things, the ways he's providing for you now. And guys, I'm just so thankful that I've been able to be up here and to share this. And so thank you for letting me be able to speak into your lives. Um, and I'm just going to pray real quick, and then you will be dismissed to take communion. So, Jesus, um, I just thank you so much for your provision. And I pray over these students today that they will be able to see this in their own lives. And I pray that their trust for you will grow immensely. And I pray that they will be able to share this with the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.